This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network. Learn more at trine.edu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Onliners Podcast, a podcast that dives deeper into the mysterious world of online learning, featuring myself, Regina, and my colleague and good friend, Kirsten. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Regina. We are two higher education professionals at Trine Online, a team within Trine University, located in Angola, Indiana. Before we get into our episode today, we want to take a minute to thank all of our listeners. We've had such wonderful feedback from all of you, and your messages of support and interest in our podcast means a lot. Researching and recording our podcast is certainly a highlight to our week. Because so many institutions have moved online or to remote teaching, there has been an abundance of information posted about learning in an online or hybrid environment. For Kirsten and I, it's an honor to be a part of a culture of continuous improvement in all things online. So thank you for listening and for your wonderful feedback. Now, on to the topic for this week. Speaking of the abundance of information that has been shared regarding online learning, I came across an article that really seemed to be appropriate for this week's podcast. The article is by the Chronicle of Higher Education, and it is called Five Low-Tech Time-Saving Ways to Teach Online During COVID-19 by author Flower Darby. And we'll post a link to the article in our show notes as well. Kirsten and I would like to highlight those five tips with you in this week's podcast. Yeah, after reading the article that you sent me, Regina, I was excited to share these tips with all of our listeners. We are all getting hundreds of articles sent our way during this time, and it can be overwhelming to know which ones to read. I know I get a ton of them. We hope that turning this article into a podcast will give you a different way to absorb the information. Just like in our online classrooms, varied ways of receiving information is a great way to connect the information for all learners. So let's jump right into the tips highlighted throughout this article. Tip one is post static content for students to read and watch. This moves you away from the synchronous approach to the asynchronous approach. Instead of requiring students to meet you in Zoom at 11 every Tuesday and Thursday, the material is in the LMS for the students to access when it works for them. I'm a night owl and Regina's an early bird. Posting static content creates an environment where students can access the material when it is the best time for them. As the article stated for this tip, students can get a lot out of high quality reading and videos from existing sources, such as TED Talks, OER, open educational resources, articles, reputable sources, and so on. You can even create your own recorded content, a short lecture with Kaltura, a PowerPoint with voiceovers, etc. What's great is that if you record your content, you can reuse that content in your future courses. So we encourage you to post static content in your LMS. That's a great one, Kirsten. Okay, so here's tip number two. Use the quiz and assignment options in your LMS or your learning management system. I really like this tip because I see great benefit to students when using low point value self-check quizzes each week or whatever regular basis works for you. Also, as a Quality Matters member institution, 
One of the specific review standards that we focus on at Trine is that our courses provide learners with multiple opportunities to track their learning progress with timely feedback. These regular auto-graded, self-check, true-false, multiple-choice quizzes provide this opportunity to students. Personally, I prefer the timed open book or open material quizzes. That way, students are immersing themselves back into the materials, which is great. Yet, they need to be familiar with the materials to find the correct answers quickly if they are actually unsure of the correct answer. In other words, a timed open materials quiz will not be easy for a student that has never accessed the materials prior to the start of the quiz. With these regular auto-graded quizzes, students receive real-time feedback, and the quizzes are auto-graded, so it's a time saver for you, the instructor. Then you can focus on providing that rich feedback needed for those larger assignments. Great. I love to use reading review quizzes. It helps me know what content and information my students are really absorbing. So that's a good one. Tip number three is wake up to the learning potential of asynchronous text discussions. Discussion forums are loved or loathed, but they are necessary for learners interaction and for instructor and learner interaction. Discussion forums can be stale and robotic, or they can be rich with interaction and idea sharing. If you haven't already, check out our episode on discussion forums for more tips on how to engage your learners in discussion forums. Here's a quote from the article that we are discussing today. Flower Darby says, a well-designed online discussion prompt not only creates strong social interaction among students, but it also fosters and deepens their learning. She goes on to recommend creating debatable questions that encourage students to relate concepts from the learning material to their own lived experiences. Students can learn from each other, and you can encourage continued engagement through probing questions designed to keep the discussions moving. Ask the students to clarify concepts in their post. Ask them for examples. Ask them to consider the outcomes of their ideas, and so on. It's a skill that needs to be learned for some faculty that are new to online teaching, but creating and encouraging a rich discussion forum is possible. Another good tip is to create a discussion forum rubric outlining your expectations of their engagement in the forums each week. Awesome. Okay, now tip number four. This is an important one to faculty and to students new to online. And the tip is create a routine and a reliable weekly schedule. When I was new to online teaching, I think I was online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I felt like to be an effective online faculty member, it meant that I needed to always be available. One of my mentors, though, told me that it's okay to set parameters with my time. And students need to create a schedule for themselves, too. You know, back to what Kirsten said in tip number one about having those static materials in the course, I find that I work best early in the morning. The house is quiet, I have my cup of coffee, and I am a certifiable rock star. In the evenings, though, I can barely put two eloquent words together. So my routine is to be in my online courses early in the morning every day. I might check in for a few minutes in the evening, too, but I know that my main workload is accomplished in the morning. And I tell my students that, too. 
They should expect to see my announcements posted in the mornings and responses to their emails or questions on the discussion forum in the course will most likely happen in the mornings as well. Help your students by setting a rhythm for the course. For example, if you have a discussion post due every week, make sure it is due the same day every week. Post a look at the week ahead announcement every Monday and a we're wrapping up this week post every Saturday. Keep things consistent for the students. Encourage your students to determine when the best times of day are the most effective for them to concentrate on their work too. We all have enough surprises in our lives right now. Predictability is comforting to everyone. And last but not least, tip number five. Make frequent, strategic, and highly visible appearances online. Just like we seem to keep saying in all of our podcast episodes, instructor presence means everything. Yes, it's important to spend time one-on-one with students, but think in terms of one too many as well. As the article shares, this doesn't mean live lecture, but low-tech announcements that everyone can read. Class announcements, discussion forum posts, and probes, weekly summaries, and so on can be posted to the benefit of all students, and it shows your presence online. That wraps up this podcast on five low-tech, time-saving ways to teach online. Thank you to the author, Flower Darby, for writing the article and to the Chronicle of Higher Education for allowing us to focus on its content this week. Yeah, as Regina said at the beginning of this episode, thank you, too, to our listeners. We started this podcast as a way to help other educators learn more about the world of online learning. However, as this has evolved, it has grown into a true love for Regina and I. Not only do we get to research relevant topics to online education, we also get to share and collaborate with other higher education professionals. So thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of our community. We hope that you have found this episode on five low-tech, time-saving ways to teach online during COVID-19 to be helpful. If you haven't already, head on over to our Facebook page, find and like the onliners page, and join in on the conversation. Check back next Wednesday to hear our latest episode. Oh, and we want to hear from you. Email us at theonliners at trying.edu to tell us what you would like us to cover in one of our episodes. And as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.